That's good stuff. I don't know if you know this, but it's been an amazing weekend. An amazing weekend! My football team won yesterday. I'm not sure who they were playing. Uh, but my team won in the afternoon, uh, Alabama. And then last night, something crazy happened. 71 years, people! 71 years! We until. Yeah, I was speechless. I was, I, I tried to be that woman in the video, or Garen, whatever happened earlier, but it was just, I just couldn't take it all in. It was amazing to see the, the Chicago Cubs go to the World Series. There are the majority of the people in this room that were not alive the last time that that happened. Uh, and it was cool because I was seeing all these scenes of, of people celebrating on the streets. You would think that we'd actually won the World Series. We're just glad to be there. Uh, and just these thoughts came to my mind. You know, as much as of I am excited to hear and to see what I saw yesterday, what a great weekend. There's nothing better than what we just heard, folks. There's nothing better than what we just heard. And can you imagine what heaven is like? When one person comes to know Christ, it says it's the party, like the angels just celebrate. I was just seeing these pictures in Chicago of people just dancing uh, like someone had come to know Jesus for the first time. So that's good stuff, folks. What a great weekend and excited about what God has for us today. Uh, would you join us? Uh, join me. You can grab your Bible. John 15 is where we're at. There was a, uh, there's a book that someone recommended to me a few years back. And it was by a fantastic author, his name is Max Lucado, and it's, uh, in the beginning, it's, it's a very simple statement that he says, uh, and it's, it starts this way. He says, God loves you just the way you are. Now, I, I like to hear that. I mean, that. I mean, when you think about that, that just, that makes me feel good. When you think about the unconditional love of God, that there's nothing you can do to earn his love, there's nothing you can do to lose his love, it doesn't go up and down. Uh, like some kind of meter or, or thing, it, it's always there. Even though you ignore him, you can reject him, you can disobey him, it doesn't change. His love stays the same. Now, if you've been in our, our, our time the last few weeks, we've tried to wrap our minds around that. And as a, as a life group, we try to think about that, unconditional love. And that is so hard for us to get, maybe because we're pretty human, and our love seems to be pretty conditional at times. But God's love is unconditional. So as we were talking about as a life group, we're thinking, now, can we imagine, can we picture this? And, and the thing we kept coming back to was the fact that as parents, maybe as a parent, we can wrap our minds around that kind of love for our kid. You know, that kind of unconditional love, doesn't matter what our kids do, we're going to love them. I read this thing this week, and it was actually the parents of, of Timothy McVeigh, post-trial from, remember the Oklahoma City bombing from, from years ago. And I've even heard this reaction from other parents afterwards, and it always seems to be a microphone there or a camera there, and it's, I can't imagine what they're going through in those moments. But you know, their response was this. This is horrible. This is awful. This is, we are devastated by this. We don't even know how to explain it. But we love our son. We love our son. And that doesn't stop even in those moments. And what, that's what we see when we see God the Father. We see a, a loving Father. And I keep coming to that image as, as God the Father who is, loves us unconditionally. But then there's this next line of that, that quote by Lucado. It says this, God loves you just the way you are. There's a comma there, but he refuses to leave you that way. He refuses to leave you that way. Now, what if we did this? What if we packed up a big, humongous, 
bus or two and went down to Galveston. We had a, a beach party at Galveston. And let's be honest, it's not really a, a beach, but we'll call it that because it's Texas and we have to settle for these things that we have. I will not go in the water at Galveston. I'm just going to proclaim that to everyone. But occasionally we go down there and we play in the sand and maybe we all went down there and, and maybe you saw my little girl, Briley. We like to make sandcastles. She's making a sandcastle. And suddenly as she's making this sandcastle, she starts to make uh, like mud pies out of the, the sand, okay? Kids do that sometimes. But then as we're kind of watching the kids play, she starts to eat the mud pies in the sand, okay? And this isn't her, but I'm just kind of, you know, and she just looks over. And, and what if in that moment I was like, oh, that, isn't that cute? Isn't that great? What would you do? You'd probably hit me in the side of the arm. What are you doing? Go over there. Teach her the way you're supposed That's not good for her. And of course, that's what I would do. I would go and take her to the water, and I would, sweetheart, that's not good for you. That's bad. You know, sand is it's not going to help. It's, it's gross. It's going to make your tummy hurt. You know, and wash her mouth out with water and try to teach her the white way. Because that's, that's what we do as parents, right? And that's what a loving father wants to do for us. He wants to tell us, that, that's not good for you. I, I've got a better way. There's a better way to go. And so as I've think, thought about that and I've been processing that, it encourages me because we have a God that is in the transformation business. He wants to transform us. He loves us and wants to see the best for us. And so as we go into John 15, think about those things. And Jesus is meeting with his disciples, and he begins this way. I am the true grapevine, and my Father, God, is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he produces the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Does that remind you of a song uh, you used to sing? I am, okay. Uh, the vine and you are the, thank you. All right. Uh, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it'll be granted. For when you produce, you will produce much fruit. You are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Now, I'm excited to tell you that my, my parents are here today. Uh, yes, they are. It's great to have them in from Nashville. I'm not going to point them out to you because I'm about to talk about them. Uh, but I, there, there's just something we uh, kind of know about our parents, right? You don't really have a choice who your parents are, all right? You're just kind of, I mean, I know it's a little awkward because you're, the, but you're just kind of stuck with who you got, okay? And that's exactly how they feel when you're born as well uh, at times. You don't really have a choice in that, do you? Now, there's a running gag uh, with my sisters and I was conversation that we had that when we get together, most of the time over meals, we talk about 
all the ways that we were deprived as children. Uh, And growing up, we had a certain rotation of meals that we would eat. And it was kind of the same things pretty much in rotation and over again. And, you know, on Sunday, there was usually it was going to be either like KFC bucket of chicken or roast. Uh, That was going to happen. or Whatever could go in the crock pot. But there was these variety of meals that we had. And they were, to be honest, a little limiting because of like, like Italian food to us was spaghetti and spaghetti. Uh, And then like Mexican food was like tacos, hard tacos. And that was kind of the rotation. And and what we talk about often is this. Once we, we, we branched out, if you will, we learned that there are other foods that are out there, amazing foods. I remember when I was like 15 years old, I went to a friend's house, and, and we had fettuccine Alfredo. And I was like, you're not going to believe this. The noodles are bigger, and they're, they're amazing. And there was this white stuff that we put on top, and it was delicious. I've never... And I need a pause here. This is important. In defense, we did live in Alabama, okay? Uh, so, and I don't know if you're from Alabama. I apologize if you are, but we were like missionaries there. So it was very limited in the, the food thing there, okay? And so when we got out of Alabama, it was like, there's all these other foods that they have. I didn't eat sour cream until college, okay? And it was like, sour cream? Let's put this on everything. It's awesome. Uh, and so we joke about all these things, and now they've expanded their uh, reach as well with food and Japanese and, and, and Chinese. I don't think that we have exactly uh, branched out to sushi yet. I'm hoping to, to maybe pull it there. But, you know, we, we joke about that, and, and, and I give them a hard time, but there's a lot of things I did inherit from my parents, some amazing things, some personality traits, some things like just love of, of history that my dad has and appreciation of storytelling and, and game playing and family and a love of church, a love of sports, a love of community. My family, this is a, this is a fact, that wherever they live, you can easily find their hidden key somewhere. And most of the time, the door is open in the back because it's, they have an open-door policy with their family. And most of the time, we'd have people over our house all the time because my parents taught me how to love God and love people. So the food stuff can take a break, and, it, and that's an, we, can, we can forget about the, that, that stuff because the most important things that I learned are the important things for my family. So I'm blessed with that. One thing I did not inherit inherit from my father, and, and we, I think he would testify to this, we do not have a green thumb, okay? When I hear this passage about garden and vines, and we cut grass, we do not grow the grass, okay, in our family, all right? So when I hear, like, you guys talking about gardening and flowers and how you do that and how you produce, that just does not even compute. These hands were not made to do that in any way, and I'm proud of you for doing those things, but it's just not doable. You should see my yard. I think I've showed you a picture of that once. Uh, and we, we try to grow some flowers. That didn't go so well either, okay? The zombie apocalypse happens. I'm going to be knocking on your door for how to grow food, okay? So that's just not really us. So I look at this passage and I think, okay, what maybe resonates with me a little more? I love technology, uh, but not as much as I love you, uh, says my friend Kip from Napoleon. I love technology, and many of us love technology, phones and iPads and all these things that we never knew that we needed 
back when the Cubs were in the World Series last time. We now are like, how can we live without these things? So maybe in our world, we would throw this phrase in there. Maybe God would say something like this. Uh, I am the Wi-Fi and you are the iPhone. Apart from me, you can do nothing, nothing. Have you ever had an, your, your nice iPhone or your iPad and suddenly this symbol comes up, this no Wi-Fi symbol that comes up? And uh, what happens uh, in your office when that happens, when suddenly the Wi-Fi goes out or the internet goes out? People go crazy. It's like the apocalypse. <gasps> the Wi-Fi's down! The internet, we can't get to the internet! And as amazing as our phones are, and they are amazing, like, we can talk to someone on the other side of the country face-to-face with a phone. A softball game earlier this year, I watched a Cubs game from right field in, and I would just pull the, I would just watch the game in between plays. On my phone, there is a signal that's going to outer space as we use these things. But without that signal, they're basically fancy calculators, right? They're, they're just kind of little devices or things that may have some uses, but they're not fulfilling the purpose that they were made or designed to be. And I think that's what Jesus is trying to tell us here. If you are connected to the source of life, you will become something that you were designed to be, something you were created to be. You will be transformed into something amazing, something amazing. But without it, without it, what? You're nothing. You're going to die. We, he gives us this image, and you don't have to be a horticulturist to understand that a branch that's separated from a tree, can it grow anything? No. It is going to die, and it will lead to nothing. Now, can we have a venting parent moment here, okay? Because we're talking about God the Father. Kids, can you shut your ears for a second, earmuffs if, in the room, okay? There is a moment that's kind of a, a frustrating moment for parents, and I've experienced this several times. Uh, it's, it's a moment, well, let's describe it this way. I, my, uh, my girls, my, and I have two girls and, and a boy, Noah's nine, Quinn and Briley, ages five and three. I am in charge of the morning duty. I get the, the girls and, and Noah ready to go in the morning, so that means I have to pick out clothes for the girls and working on the hair thing and, and all of this stuff. There's something that's happened a couple times uh, with the girls uh, that they will snatch the outfit uh, that I have picked out of their hand, out uh, of my hand, and they'll say something like this, no, daddy, I can do it on my own. And I want to just go, you can do it on your own, and you can fix food on your own, and you can pay rent on your own, and you can pay for college on your own. I didn't mean to come over in that section over here when I said that. But you have that moment, and sometimes, I, 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 this is just confession time, I just say, okay, go for it. And that has led to me getting in trouble with my wife, uh, <laughs> because Quinn showed up to school, uh, well, one morning she, she wanted pockets in her skirt, and she wants that in every skirt now, pockets in her skirt. They just don't make all skirts with pockets, people, okay? And so in protest, because I addressed her that way, she just took all of her clothes off and just started running around the house, like in... Total anarchy, okay? But I got it under control, and I said, you wear what you want to wear. And she showed up with cheetah-printed uh, 
skirt and cheetah printed uh, top, and uh, she was just, she went as a cheetah uh, to school. And when she got home, uh, her mother was not very pleased. Uh, did you see what? Yes, I did. And she wanted to dress herself, and so that's what happened. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, when we have those moments, you know, I, I want my, my, my girls and Noah to understand that they're a part of something. You know, there's a part of us that really appreciates independence and like, we want to do this on my own. I want to do this on my own. And, and that's, a, that's a good thing in certain places. But I want them to understand they're a part of something greater than just themselves. Because when they just do that off their own, they become, well, they don't become very grateful. And there's this sense of entitlement. I kind of sense that with Israel in the Old Testament. Um, There are these places where God would do amazing things through Israel, his his chosen people. He'd lead them to different places. He would give them great victories in battle. And then something inevitably would happen after those great moments where they would go, you know what? We don't really need you. I can do it on my own. I, I I don't need this. And God would say, okay, okay. And that would lead to 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 exile, that would lead to destruction, that would lead to brokenness, separation from God. And God would not give up on his people. He kept pursuing and kept loving and, and kept coming after them and, and hoping that they would turn. And, and eventually, sometimes they would, and then they would we'd have these amazing moments, and suddenly they'd go, well, we can go and do this without you, God. We can go into this battle without even talking to you or without even consulting you, and they would be defeated. And go, well, why? Why were we defeated? We... And then they would they'd hit them. We've, we've done this without, without the one, without the source, without the life that he gives in us. And God doesn't want us to be that. He doesn't want us to be, he doesn't want us to be entitled. He doesn't want us to be ungrateful. He wants to live in this relationship with us in every area of our life. Now, there's, uh, if you've been paying attention in, in the series, we, we try to uh, kind of teach different ways, exercises, spiritual training exercises that will help us in our walk with the Lord. And one of those things maybe you picked up in, if you're reading in, in, in the book or the series together as a life group is this thing called Lectio Divina. Now, Lectio Divina is a, is a fancy word of basically slowing down with God's word. You, instead of just flying through reading something from, from God's word, you slow down and you begin to really listen not only with your ears, but with your, your heart. And, and sometimes I, I confess that I'm guilty of flying through something. Maybe you have a reading plan, and you just want to get that check mark for your reading plan instead of stop, stopping and slowing down. And if you slow down in this passage, and you begin to ask, what words really pop out of the Scripture? What really just jumps out at you? And it's this, this, this word that comes out, and, and, and for me it was this, and I don't know if you want to read back over it again, but it's over and over again, it says this, remain in me. Did you hear that over again? Remain in me. If, if you have another version, it might say abide, abide in me. Now, now what does that mean? What, is, what does he mean when he says abide in me or, or remain in me? That word means basically this, to make your home somewhere, like an abode. You get that? My humble abode. Uh, make your home with Jesus. Make this, this place of living together there. Paul says it this way, I pray that you would know and understand the love of Christ, that he will make his home in your heart. He would find a place in your heart and, and, and have 
connection and relationship there. Now, there's several instances in the New Testament where people would come up to Jesus. Remember the shepherds. The angels came and visited them and said, the Messiah, Jesus is born. And what did they say? We want to go see. We want to, we want to experience. We want to be there with this Messiah, this Jesus. Then there were others that would come up to him. There was this little man, this wee little man named Zacchaeus. And he was, just a picture him in a three-piece suit climbing up a tree. He wanted to experience Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus. Jesus recognizes him and says this, come, I want to go to your, I want to go to your house. I want to be with you. I want to spend time with you. Two men, John and Andrew, weren't the first disciples. John the Baptist says, look, there's Jesus, the, the, the Messiah, the one who takes away the sin of the world. They begin to kind of stalk Jesus. They're kind of following him and watching him. And finally, Jesus says, turns around and says this, what do you want? What do you want? And their answer was this, hey, where are you staying? Where are you staying? We want to come and hang out with you. Now, think about those in contrast to this man, the rich young ruler. He comes up to Jesus, and everyone knows his name. Everyone knows who he is. The crowds part when he begins to come through because of, of his status in the community. And he asks this question. The question is this, Jesus, what do I have to do to have eternal life? What do I have to do to get into heaven, is what he's asking. Now, I don't know if you catch the difference, but, but one group of people, they want to know the doctor. And one person wants to just get the medicine. Just give me the medicine. The rich young ruler just wanted the medicine. The others, they want to spend time with the one that heals. Do you catch that? There's a difference between wanting to spend time and to be like Christ and just wanting to make it in the end. There's a huge difference. There's a massive difference. God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to be just like Jesus. He wants you to be just like Jesus. So, Picture this, what if for one day Jesus were to become you? Now, Lucado tells this story, and I want you to think about this for a second. What if Jesus became you? What if he made his home in your heart and your life and your body? What if for 24 hours Jesus wakes up in your bed, walks in your shoes, lives in your house, assumes your schedule? Your boss becomes his boss. Your mother becomes his mother, your pains become his pains, with one exception. Nothing about your life changes. Your health doesn't change. Your circumstances don't change. Your schedule isn't altered. Your problems aren't solved. Only one change occurs. What if for one day Jesus lives your life with his heart? Your heart gets the day off, and your life is led by the heart of Christ, his priorities govern your actions. His passions drive your decisions. His love directs your behavior. What would that be like? What would, pe would people notice a change in you? Your family, would they see a difference in you? Your coworkers, would they catch on to anything? What about those who are less fortunate? What about, would you, would you treat those the same way? How about your friends? Would they detect more joy? Would they sense a, a, a place of peace? an optimism, a hope in the future? Would they receive more mercy from Christ's heart? 
than from yours? How would you feel differently? How would you experience life? How would you experience everything differently? I think that's what Paul is thinking about when he writes these words. This is the the message paraphrase of of Ephesians 4.23. And then take on an an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a, a life renewed from the inside out, working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. Now, this passage, it has a promise. And, and, and unlike some promises maybe we give to each other, this promise from God is one that you can take to the bank. And here's the promise from God in this passage. Those who remain in me, those who make their home with me, who abide with me, and I in them, you not might, but you will produce fruit. You will produce fruit. You will be transformed. So what does that kind of look like? Uh, and as soon as we hear the word fruit, I think of the fruit of the Spirit. So, so real quickly, what are the fruit of the Spirit? If, if you look on the screen, there's, I think there's a picture that will come up. Things, words that you recognize, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. These are the transformative evidence of a life lived in connection with God. Now, what are the opposite things? The things that maybe we think of in, instead. Instead of love, it's real easy for our our lives to be full of maybe hatred or lust. Instead of joy, sadness. Instead of peace, worry and fear. And isn't it easy to worry and fear these days? Instead of patience, we become snappy and easily angered. Instead of kindness, we become self-centered and apathetic. Instead of goodness, evil and darkness and and a pessimism kind of reigns over our lives. Instead of faithfulness, unfaithful to God and to others, instead of being in control, I couldn't help myself. But what God tells us is this. This is the promise. This is the good news that he transforms us. He takes those things and him working inside of us, he transforms those things into the qualities and the fruit of the Spirit, living and active in us. There was a I visited a friend of mine this week, and as I was talking with her, she uh, started to, to kind of shoot the breeze about life and, and different things, and, and she started to share something that uh, it really just broke my heart. Um, she said that uh, she actually, she lives with her, her daughter, uh, and uh, they've, they've kind of lived, in, in, in her daughter has her family, and, and she lives in the house a, as well, but, but they don't know each other very well. They don't spend time together very much. They're kind of going throughout life and their schedules just in two separate directions. And although they're in the same physical building, they would probably testify that they don't spend much time together. And, and, and they don't really know each other very well. And as I was talking to my friend, she just lamented and, and wanted so badly to have what she once had with her daughter. Uh, can I confess to you uh, today? That uh, as a Christian, I mean, I, I grew up in the church. I, you heard me talk about a, a godly heritage that I have. Um, there are times that I am really, really good at putting things on autopilot. You know, they're, they're coming up with this autopilot for cars now where you don't even have to drive anymore. You just kind of let go. And, and uh, can you imagine what the future's like there? But there are times where I just kind of can check out with my relationship with God. 
And, and not that I go off the deep end. I just kind of, you know, I, I know the lingo. I know the things to say to people when they ask me. I know the responses I should give. I know how to certainly act in church. But I can go on autopilot in my relationship with God and just check things off through the day. Yeah, I read the Bible. Yeah, I prayed. And when that happens, can I tell you, something happens inside of me. And instead of the life-giving things that God wants to produce inside of me, I begin to notice the opposite happening, a distance that's there, a feeling of even though I, I know God, I really don't, I don't know God lately. And, and can I ask you this question? If you are a Christ follower, what fruit has God produced in your life lately? Have, have you spent time with, with God? And, and this is the invitation here. If you know him or you don't know him, God wants to, to make his home in your heart, and he wants to live in relationship with each one of us. Now, what does that look like? My dad, uh, he would do something uh, when I was a kid, and, and I, I think he still does it now. He played baseball, and he had an operation on his knee, and so he wasn't able to, to really play the sp- sports like he really wanted to and play church softball and other things, but what he would do almost every day is he would go take a walk. And he would go and walk throughout our neighborhood or wherever we lived. And he would go through different streets and places and he would walk. And what I discovered after a while was this wasn't just for exercise. But every day he wasn't walking alone. He was walking with the Lord. And he was spending time with God. And God's word was pressing upon his heart. And he was having conversation with God And when we do that on a daily basis, folks, when every day when I come before God and I open his word and I have communion with God, he begins to speak to me. He he gives me new energy and and new momentum each day. Sometimes he convicts me. Sometimes he forces me to text someone or call someone and apologize. Sometimes he pushes me to do things I never thought I could do. And God begins to grow something inside of me and he transforms me daily. He transforms me daily. And that's what he wants for you. Because we don't believe there's ever a time that you have arrived, but that he continually transforms you day by day by day to become more and more like him. More and more like him. He loves you no matter what. He knows, loves you no matter what. But he loves you so much that he doesn't want you to stay the way you are. He doesn't want you to to live in the places and the things that are bringing you away from him. And he wants you to have new life with him. He wants you to become just like Christ. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for my friends that are here today. God, I thank you that we've gathered in this place. We've we've sung about you. We've been reminded of your, your greatness and your glory. We've been reminded of your transformative power. Lord, I thank you so much for the, the words that we've sang earlier, that you make beautiful things out of us, Lord. And God, we just confess, Lord, that sometimes we don't feel like beautiful things. And maybe it's because we've been listening to the wrong voices and the wrong people in our lives, Lord. We've been going the wrong places. And, and Lord, sometimes we just hear this, 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 this voice in our, our heart and our mind, and I think it's the enemy that says, you're a sinner, just keep on being who you are. God, that is not your purpose and your call in our life. God, you want us to have freedom. You want us to be different. You want us to have full life in you. 
God, we thank you so much that you are not done with us. God, I thank you that you are transforming us daily. God, help us to seek you. Lord, help us to not just include you, but but every single part of our our day to be about you, God. Lord, I thank you for the power you give us when temptation comes. We thank you for the the grace you give us, the forgiveness that you you offer us, but what we can give to others as well, the mercy that we can reciprocate to others. God, I pray that you would give us a hunger for time with you, that in the, the chaos of our lives, God, that we would make time for the most important things, to sit at the table, to take a walk with you, God, so that our hearts can press together and be realigned with who you've called us to be. God, we love you, and I pray that, God, this week we would go out and seek that time with you daily, Lord, to become more like you, Father. Lord, I love you, and I pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.